With great data comes even greater access latency. Welcome to the Trino Community Broadcast, where we transform your latency woes into fast insights. I'm your host, Brian Olson. And I'm the co-host, Manfred Mosa, as usual. <laughs> Trino Community Broadcast is a show where we cover events and happenings in the open source Now Trino community and show off some cool stuff about Now Trino, formerly Presto SQL. Manfred, you want to take it off with some intros for our, uh, our uh, honored guest today? Yeah, sure. Um, so we have a very special episode today because as uh, some of you hopefully noticed, um, we have a big event uh, over the new year and into this 2021, starting it all fresh, renaming uh, our Presto SQL project to Trino. And we want to find out more from the main gang of uh, maintainers and uh, founders of the project. Uh, so we have all four of them ready here with us today. There's Martin, Dane, David, and Eric joining us today. And what we're actually going to do is we're going to go through a little quick of an introduction where each one of them will tell us a bit about their Trino involvement, um, especially in the code base maybe, and maybe something other tidbits that might be fun as a quick first start. So how about Martin, you want to take it away first? All right. Uh, thanks, uh, Manfred. And uh, hi, Brian. Uh, it's, it's great to be here again. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, I've been involved in well, Trino, formerly Presto SQL, uh, since the beginning. Uh, we started back in 2012, and uh, I mean, I, w one interesting thing is I, I, I actually knew Dane and David from from before we we started the project. We we've known each other for for a few years. Uh, we worked at a couple of companies together. Um, lately, I mean, I, 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 I've actually been involved in uh, all sorts of parts of, in, in the code base lately over the past few years, mostly around anything having to do with the language, the, the parser, analyzer, optimizer, uh, some, some parts of the execution engine, and, and in, in some cases, uh, even some connectors. Like, for example, I worked on the Elasticsearch connector last year, uh, uh, spent a couple of weeks working on that. Um, let's see, on the kind of uh, uh, kind of personal side uh, I have, I guess you, you you probably if you haven't noticed from my accent I'm from Argentina so uh, if there are any if there's anyone from Argentina here hola <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and I have a, a, a bunch of hobbies like if you're into photography or or airplanes uh, I'd like to chat with you at some point it's uh, so sorry yeah, is, is, like your, is your is your uh, Martin? Is your uh, picture? Uh, it's, it looks like you're like wearing some sort of a face mask in, in the um, in the uh, on, on GitHub and things like that. So where's that picture from? Oh, that's uh, that was a, a ski uh, trip uh, in in, in Tajo. It was a couple of years ago. Ah, uh, okay. Took a selfie. Look, I, I like how, how it looked, and and, and then you just stuck there. Yeah, I thought maybe it was a plane because I know at some point I I just heard randomly like you you were into planes and so I I thought maybe that was like you on a plane or something like that. So, well, that would have to be a, like a military fighter pilot or something. <laughs> like, I'm going, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what connections you have, man. <laughs> I think I think the airplanes he's flying are not remote control airplanes. They're real airplanes, but they're a bit slower than jets, probably. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Martin, the other thing I know, I also, of course, know is that you're a bit of an outward-facing person for the project quite a bit, working with lots of companies and stuff for like that. And we also worked on the book together. So, um, it's also very good to to know uh, that you're a lot of uh, having your fingers a lot of that kind of stuff. So that's that's excellent. Yeah. Awesome. So, Dan, you want to go next? 
Um, you are muted, by the way, so maybe not. Yeah, just figured that out. <laughs> obviously, happens so all the number, time. I make that mistake. Number one quote of 2020 is, "Hey, you're on mute." As it still <laughs> happens in 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't change anything. Uh, right. <laughs> so I've been involved with Presto SQL and Trino since the beginning, since before it even had a name. Um, and um, as Martine mentioned, I've worked with. David and Martine at Proofpoint and Ning. So we've been working together for a really long time. Um, so I uh, I mostly work on, in, in Trino, I mostly work on the execution engine uh, and performance related stuff, um, kind of all the way down to the bits. So I wrote the ORC reader um, and that's from scratch. So like do a lot of stuff all the way down to the bits, making sure like our stuff plays well in the JVM um, all that sort of like compiler tech and things like that. Um, but not the language that that's actually really hard. So that, that I leave for Marty. <laughs> um, are you kidding me? Like really hard. Like when we were talking in the security training, you were talking about debugging all to all the way down into JVM. I mean, that is definitely hard. So you don't have to be so modest. Yeah. <laughs> also, what I want to mention is you've been in the open source world for ages. So you've been hacking on JBoss and other really, really well-known projects well before Presto. So you definitely yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> well, I, and what other projects are those? Yeah. I worked on JBoss back when we used to, like, we would all fit in Mark Flurry's living room. I mean, it was like 10 people. Um, yeah. Who's Mark Flurry? Just so for anybody who's who's not familiar. Mark Flurry founded uh, JBoss uh, and uh, taught me a lot about what um, people can do in open source. That's not awesome. So I'm glad <laughs> I don't work with him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in Spain now or something, right? <laughs> I was happy to see that. <laughs> yeah, so, so you also uh, work with Gavin Kingdon, I'm guessing, from the Hibernate team and stuff like that. Uh, actually, I did not work with Gavin very much. He okay. and I did not get along because Gavin did the, uh, I, I was the, you know, container managed persistence guy for, this is like su such old news. No one even yeah, knows. I, I know. I, I was a bit involved <laughs> yeah. in JBPM with Tom Baines yeah. back then. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. but I worked with Sasha, who's, I don't know, he's still like CEO of Codbees, right? Last I, I heard. So. Yeah. Anyway. So we're all showing our age, you know. <laughs> but so so, yeah, it's, so only, are... it's only been twenty years now. Yeah, well, that's so good. So what do you do when you don't uh, dive deep in in like extremely complicated code bases? So my number one hobby is coding, which is terrible because people are like you're a workaholic. But uh, if I'm not coding, I don't know. I'm playing video games or uh, watching sci-fi TV and uh, reading sci-fi books. Uh, but I'm kind of a geek, so. And I, I love yeah, coding. Yeah, yeah, like, bad company here. There's no geeks yeah. otherwise here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I truly love coding. Like, there was a time where it's like I had plenty of money. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go on a break for like uh, a year and figure out what I want to do. And it was like seriously three weeks, and I was coding. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm done. I'm giving up. Just get a code. There's nothing wrong with were, that. Were you shaking by the end of those three weeks? Just like, oh, God. <laughs> I need uh, it. it was so awesome to get back into coding. I mean, it's, it's just so much fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's like, I, I, lo I love solving puzzles. And like coding is such an awesome dynamic puzzle. And things change all the time. So, yeah. 
Yeah, puzzles. Uh, related to puzzles, I know that whenever I see David, who is going to tell us next what he's up about, that in the background there is always a shelf of board games, and I know you're all into board games as well, and yeah. I also spend a lot of time with my kids with board games, so that's definitely something we all share, either even playing together or all as well. So David, why don't you tell us about your board games and your training involvement at the same time? <laughs> yeah, so like everyone else, I've been involved in Trina from the beginning. I did um, like wrote like the CLI and the JDBC driver. I wrote a bunch of the early stuff from the Hive connector. Um, I'd used Hive a bunch previously in like Hadoop. So I'm familiar with like all of the really low level details of like how do all the Hive file formats work and what are all the weird stuff about like how Hadoop file systems work. So I'm always looking at that stuff or answering user questions about, you know, why do I get this weird behavior here when I do this thing or I have this file format? Uh, I wrote the Raptor connector, which is a uh, connector for Presto that stores data natively on Flash and has like its own metadata tracking and has like a bunch of physical optimizations. Um, we used it for some really large scale stuff at Facebook for like really low latency queries for massive applications. It's pretty interesting. So I just, and I work on like the build system and like a whole bunch of like random stuff on the edges of Presto and like make sure that like everyone can develop uh, productively. Like I added, a, I added all the original check style stuff because I was tired of answer, or, uh, answering comments about like, oh, how do I format this or like things like that, that like during a code review, I don't really have to deal with that. Like just have it fail automatically and like people get a machine telling them to fix it and then they fix it. Whereas if a human tells them, then they get mad. Yeah. So awesome. um, a lot of like social aspects about like coding that you don't think about when you're just getting started. That's, that's huge on open source projects too. Like how much time you end up spending just like navigating the, the icky kind of like, and I say icky, but like kind of the kind of sticky kind of human stuff about it. <laughs> it's like, if, if you can minimize that and keep people's feelings from being hurt, like that's, that's definitely a win-win. Yeah, it's kind of weird when, you, when you're doing a code review, you start thinking about like, how is this person going to react to this comment? Like, even if this code is bad, I actually have to make them feel good about it while I'm like asking them to change their code. <laughs> like that's, that's something when you, when you, when you're, you get started in the industry, like you probably don't think about it. It takes you, at least it took me a long time to internalize that, that like, there's actually a human here. And like, I need to think about the human aspect in addition to the technical aspect. Which is pretty rare for a lot of open source projects too. I, I feel like, uh, I mean, not say a lot like to do finger pointing or anything, but I've, I've tried a lot of open source before I came to the Presto community. And I just, I had a lot of, I don't know, mean people, let's just say, uh, when I, when I tried to get, get involved and I was, you know, totally junior dev and then like, they just tore me a new one by saying like, why are you wasting my time? You know? And it's like, okay, like, how are you going to grow your community that way? And so it's, it, that's, those, those uh, words are pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that you definitely learn um, over time. Um, and all of us have been around for a while. And also, I think it helps to have kids because you learn that kids behave similarly. If you just tell them they did it all wrong, it's not going to help. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, one thing that I want to also mention is, and uh, lots of users will love that about David, he writes a lot of documentation and is like the man for the documentation. So if you want to learn anything about the uh, press uh, Trino, you will automatically look at the docs and a lot of that comes from David. So that's I, awesome. I would say we would almost not have docs at all if it weren't for David insisting on them. Because <laughs> I, I certainly don't think I would have gotten around to writing them. <laughs> yeah, so that's also awesome. Now, 
Those are the three Ning proof point guys. And then there was Eric, who was the first one at Facebook. Uh, so tell us a bit more about you and then how you get to meet these guys and, and work on Presto and start And even like, where did the name even come from and all kind of stuff? That would be awesome to find out. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, Martin and Dane remember this, but I actually met them <clears throat> like a year or two before they actually joined Facebook. Do you guys remember that? Ah, uh, <laughs> <in> mind. <laughs> I remember that. Eric's like, so I will I've... treasure that day forever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as Manfred mentioned, I've been at Facebook a little bit longer than these guys. I started there in uh, 2010, and I believe I met these guys in 2012. Uh, I've since the begin my time at Facebook, I've always been working in big data and I've worked on some internal projects. Um, and that's actually why I originally met Martin and Dane was they were interested in one of the projects we were thinking of open sourcing, but ever did. And they came over for a lunch one time and we chatted about it. And I think they were interested, but also kind of like mad about it. And so I guess that's why we ultimately didn't open source it because it's largely based on their feedback. But uh that's that's my first memory of them. Um, and then when they actually ended up joining, uh, I would say I've worked with people that worked with um, Dane, David, and Martina in the past, and they had a lot of good things to say about them, a lot of good respect. And uh, and and in in the short time that they were there, I, they were I remember they were probing around looking at different projects to get involved in. Um, Oh, and at the time I was uh, working in um, what was essentially our real-time data streaming. Uh, infrastructure. And at that time, I was looking actually for a just something new to latch onto, uh, you know, just to kind of broaden a bit sort of the, you know, the, the types of things that I do. And, uh, you know, I was I heard the the whispers on the street that, you know, there was some discussion of a new project that was being formed. And I was like, man, I got to get on this because, you know, when you're at a company like Facebook, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that get built and then they just are, right? They like, you know, they, they, they exist because they were there, mm -hmm. right? And it's very few opportunities that you have to see something from scratch, especially at such a big company where you have not just the, um, like the use cases to, to sponsor something, but also like the funding, right? And the sort of the, you know, like the, you, you will get the resources if they have the backing and, you know, and then the project will happen. Unlike where you have, you know, like you have, you start something in your garage and you have to figure out, oh, how do I get funding? How do I pay myself? You know, that, that was kind of like a, I think a really great start, uh, that I felt like, you know, like, yes, I definitely have to get involved in this. Uh, so that's how, that's kind of how you would say um, my involvement with Trino first started. It's been a, it's, it was, it's been a long ride. I have to admit, oh, it's been a very fun ride too. Uh, I have to admit that I did take a short break for a bit. I, I took a quick uh, hiatus through consumer hardware and, uh, and AI. So I do have interesting things to say about that, but maybe for another time. Uh, but you know, with, with, with the, um, the recent, let's say uptick in usage in Trino, it was just like, I felt like I really had to get back into this, into this community. And so, uh, you'll see me a lot more on the Slack channels and, 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 and doing pull requests and getting code reviews. I think I'm getting back into the rhythm of, uh, you know, being part of this open source community. And I think, um, I am. This is so. I just this is sort of a recent development for me. Uh, so as you know, code bases change very quickly. I have been involved since like in the first six to seven years, but 
I'm just trying to figure out what these guys did to the code base in the last couple of years to make yeah, so sure there's no like weirdness, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, you guys, what, what happened here, guys? <laughs> yeah, that's always tricky. And especially with a project like Trino that has been accelerating like crazy. Like if you look at the chart of commits, it's going like, like literally looking like a logarithmic curve at this stage. <laughs> yep. I'm not sure how long we're going to keep that up, but um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So like from a brief history, basically, we, you started in what was it 2012 internally at Facebook and then you open sourced in 2013. Oh. So what was then like, how did you come to the name and why was it even open sourced? Why doesn't this sit in the closet in Facebook? Whose fault you know, is that? The, <laughs> you know, from the very beginning, uh, I, I, I want to give credit to these, to um, Dan, David, and Martin here, because I think from their background, they've had a lot of experience here uh, running open source projects. And I knew from the very beginning that uh, they were insistent that this run with basic open source principles. Now, hey, you guys feel free to jump in too. Um, these, uh, at, at Facebook, we kind of had a, uh, you know, you know, so Facebook does have a, a somewhat, let's say, checkered history with open source. Like there's a history of producing open source projects, um, but they tend to be developed internally first and then open source becomes sort of, uh, you know, something you tack on afterwards. Uh, and, and that's why you get, you know, projects that seem to run well for a bit and then they kind of start to decay because um, in the end, if the project hasn't been established with an open source mindset from the beginning, it's very hard for it to continue from both uh, uh, a, a maintenance and a contribution model, right? You'll see things like this with, you know, Scribe and Cassandra, you know, these are things that were open sourced and then they just kind of you know, the community took it over, right? Because, um, you know, it's hard for Facebook to maintain that the, the, the right level of involvement. But I think keeping it from the beginning, um, that's really what differentiated this project from a lot of those other projects. And I think that really set a standard for some of the other future open source projects at Facebook. Uh, and you asked about the naming. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we, we built it from the beginning to be open source. That was part of, uh, as we were talking with people about uh, what we were going to be doing, uh, the, uh, when the idea came out of came came up about uh, building building what would eventually become Presta, we said okay, but we want that to be open source, and and we obviously we negotiated that all the way with uh, uh, engineering leadership, and they were on board with that. And you can see, uh, for example, Facebook uses internal uh, source control systems, internal code review systems are not what uh, regular open source projects use. We started with. Uh, all the open source tools. We start on GitHub. You can actually go see the first commit that that we had on the on the on the repository. Uh, we start with code reviews using GitHub with, with Git as a Git workflows, and, and and then when we eventually made it open source, it was just a matter of tying some loose ends in terms of uh, cleaning up a few things, adding documentation, making the website, and then just clicking a button, and then the project was open source. There was no no much. No much more ceremony than that. So I, uh, I, I have this memory, and I, maybe I believe it was David, but it might have been you also, Martin. That like from the moment we started, it was like, okay, we're doing GitHub, but every commit that we're putting in, we're going to expose that. It isn't going to be like, oh, we get to like when we open source it, we just squash everything into one initial commit. It's like, no, we want to show them the history from like the moment that we created this project, and so that really set a tone of like one you're producing code that you want everyone to see externally and the history and how it developed and like actually if you go back and look at that we wrote like a whole different design of presto and threw it away because it didn't actually work 
took us like three months to build it and then we threw it in the trash. Um, and we never really integrated any direct Facebook stuff into it because like we wanted this to be open and clean. And so it was from the very first moment, I remember like the insistence, like, no, 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 this stuff will be public at one day. So be aware. Yeah, that's very hard to do. I, I've done open source projects like Concord and stuff like that. And it's not easy to get that sort of like level of quality going and internal projects from the start. So heads, heads off for that. So when in that time from like when you started committing code uh, and open sourcing in 2013, uh, did you come up with the name and who, who was that some sort of like Argentinian influence there with the Prestel or where no. did it come from? No, we're trying to come up with a name and I mean, we're all pretty terrible at picking names. So uh, we couldn't come up with anything. And then over the weekend, our manager uh, came back and said, okay, I, I picked a name. It's going to be Presto. He's <laughs> like, okay, sounds good. No, 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 no. He came back and was like, I think we should go with this. He's like, and we're all like, this is the worst name ever. It's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> we had no other. We went on and on. No, no. And then, and then like we all went home and I remember we came back the next day and we're all like, you know what? That name's actually pretty good. <laughs> that, that was my memories. We all hated it. We all slept on it. We're like, no, this is actually pretty good. It, it's, isn't there, there's like a psychological effect of like how often you get exposed to something. Like if you keep getting exposed to it, like if you hear a song yeah. on the radio and you hate it at first and then you just keep hearing that song over again, eventually you yes. just kind of start to like it just because you know it. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's uh, that's kind of with any name. <laughs> now, now the, the interesting thing about the name is that uh, I mean, people think about, especially people here in the U.S. They 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 look at they hear Preston, they immediately think magic because uh, mm -hmm. like Presto, magic trick or whatever. And uh, the the name had nothing to do with magic when we came out with it. I mean, Presto means soon in Italian. Mm -hmm. Uh, and 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 it was it was meant to convey a sense of speed of uh, immediacy and so on. So the 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 association with magic is something that people made up later. Uh, it was not the the original intent. Yeah, we we were. Um, that was actually one of the things I, I remember not liking about the name because um, I I and Martine and David have a lot of experience working with code that is magic and you have no idea what's going on and we hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like every time code feels like magic, you're like, this is designed wrong. No magic. Like it needs to be obvious and completely straightforward. So we're like, we don't want to be the magic sequel. It's like, no, we could be fast, but never magic. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a good point. Um, because it was sort of like to towards fast because Presto also needs, needs sort of fast. And now it's even faster because we're using Trino. So where does Trino come from? Oh, Trino. I know, but I'm <laughs> tell us. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was saying. Um, so, well, I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago. I, actually, over we were, the past couple, couple of months, we, we were, were drinking. <laughs> yeah, we were drinking, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we, we, we've been thinking about names uh, for a while. I mean, there's, there's all these uh, discussions we've been having with uh, the Linux Foundation about the name. We've been thinking about names for uh, at least a couple of months. We, we had a, a couple of candidates. Uh, they were okay but not great and 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 of course they, they they weren't very appropriate for uh resolving the confusion between the, the the two names and so on so i think it was like a week before christmas or something like that we were okay we went back to brainstorming names and 
and we started throwing uh, names around. And, and at some point, we got to the point of, uh, OK, let's, uh, uh, I know we started throwing names uh, of, of physical particles or, or some concepts like that. And one of them, uh, one of the ones that came up was the word neutrino. Uh, neutrinos are uh, lightweight, they're fast, so um, that, that came up. And, and, but the problem is that neutrino is not a, it's not an easy word. Like it's, it's hard hard to pronounce. It's if you if you if you say it, like some people will might might get confused about how it's actually spelled. Um, it's it's hard to market. I mean, you search for neutrino. There's so many things called neutrino. Yeah, there are a million and, things named neutrino. Yeah. Yeah. There's there you can't get a domain name like that domain name is taken, and and then I know it, it occurred to me well maybe we can shorten it and and just remove the the first three letters and that's I, 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 the trino came up and and everyone sort of liked it and I mean there was no other uh, we didn't have any better choices so that kind of uh, stuck around. So before we we're no kind way. of uh, like oh go ahead. I was gonna say, I remember like, it was like immediately once I heard, I was like, oh, this is it. This is like, I mean, you, you look at names, we literally looked at thousands and thousands of names and nothing strikes you. And it's just shocking when you actually find something you like. So it was, uh, I was super, super happy. And I well, immediately uh, I, I started mean, messaging people. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, uh, I mean, the first thing we did was <clears throat> let's see if we can, if, if the domain is available, if we can get, uh, like let's see what the presence is on on Twitter, on Slack, on basically all the yeah. social media properties. And I was like, okay, it seems like we can we can do something with this name, and, and we went with it. Awesome. Real fast, I want to quickly rewind to just kind of do a, a fast, you know, overview of like so. 2012 uh, is when uh, Presto at the time started, and then 2013 it gets open sourced. Um, 2018, uh, we have the, uh, uh, the, um, exit or sorry, 2019, uh, sorry, that's, that's the year, uh, Martin, Dane and David leave Facebook. Uh, could you guys talk a little bit about that portion, uh, and, and kind of what made you decide to leave Facebook? Uh, cause I, I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, uh, jumping right into the Trino name, but we'll get there. I mean, that, that was in the... <laughs> It was end of 2018. Um, Dane, do you want to talk about it or do you want me to talk about it? Uh, I mean, I, I can talk about it. Okay. You, you jump in. Like, I mean, so as uh, in, this is a lot to do with like Facebook internal politics. So in the beginning, Presto was really used as like it was a new thing it was just an add-on thing to what was already existing there and it worked really well everyone was super happy uh but we were isolated to just basically high performance analytics over the main warehouse we could do this federation we had these you know a couple of additional use cases as things grew and uh presto became more and more and more important to the company like it runs the entire AV testing system for like new features into the, the company. It's a ginormous use case with like tens of thousands of machines. Um, and then we started to replace all the batch processing with Presto. The, the uh, importance of the project became more and more important. And there was more and more uh, pressure to uh, there were more people who wanted to 
be involved with that uh, very important project at the company. And it became very political. And some of those people decided that they wanted to have more control over the open source part of the project uh, to direct it like was being done with like, so in the, the, the analytics part of Facebook, all of the other things that Facebook works with are forked. There's forked versions of Spark, forked Spark like four years ago now. They forked Hive, um, which like they created, like every single project is forked and custom. And there's people who just work on the forked version and there's really no one working on the open source stuff. And we were the outlier. And it wasn't that we're doing this important new great thing the people who believe that weren't actually involved in the data analytics anymore. It was, well, why are you different? Why aren't you working like the other projects? And so there came this point where the pressure was to switch uh, the project so that it was 100% under control of the Facebook engineering. And that culminated with the idea that anyone who was on the Presto team at Facebook immediately became a committer, which is what the Presto project calls people who can uh, merge stuff into the code base. Um, and, uh, you know, we fought again, I fought against it for months and months. I mean, I literally sat down with the management team and said, this is exactly what will happen when you guys make this decision. Like the community is gonna fork, no one's gonna wanna work with you, you're gonna be on your own. Like people will walk away, like I've seen this before. Now, at the time I didn't realize that like, actually I would be the person doing that. <laughs> um, but I assure you, I explained everything that would happen, even almost up to the point where we're at now, explained that to them three, four months before Facebook made this decision. It's not like they were naive about it. And uh, I showed up one day and Facebook, there was a slide deck that was going to be presented saying, here's the decision the management team made. No communication to the, uh, the community, uh, no sign off from any of us. And uh, I quit the next day. So hmm. that was it. Man. Oh, that must have been a tough decision. <laughs> oh, no, super easy decision. <laughs> yeah, that, that, does, that doesn't surprise me that it was an easy decision for you, Dane. <laughs> Just like... Yeah, I mean, that... <laughs> there are decisions that are hard. Sometimes people make it super easy for you. Yeah, like, inevitable it's, it's so anti-community. It's so everything I believed in that it was the easiest dis like decision. Yeah. Like, you know, and not a problem. Martin and David were right behind you <laughs> or, or did it take a couple of days to, for that to <laughs> propagate through? Were you, were you guys pretty much like all leaving pretty much at the same time? And you just decided I mean, they, you were going to fork it or they, they, uh, they, they left pretty much right after me. I mean, not the exact same day. Um, but yeah, they were, they were very much right behind, um, followed by like, I mean, everyone, a lot of people don't know <laughs> the, the rest of the Facebook engineering team, but many of people left that team, including the vast majority of the management team that made this decision. They're all gone. So a disaster for everyone. I mean, we we I mean, we've been involved in the project from the beginning. We helped build the community. We helped establish the norms of how the project is uh, run, how the the community engages, and and that was like uh, it was like uh, trying to switch or uh, uh, overnight change the way uh, 
those dynamics worked wasn't, uh, I mean, we didn't feel it was conducive to a healthy open source community. So it was against hundred percent against everything we thought uh, should be done for an open source community. So, and, and we care a, a lot about that. So we ended up. Uh, well, and the good thing is um, you cared so much that you carried on. So yeah. you started the Presto Software Foundation, Presto SQL, and the project actually didn't slow down at all. On the contrary, like it accelerated like crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Like even like just looking at what happened in the last year, 2020, me and Martina working and Brian are working towards a blog post of like new stuff. And it's ridiculous, like so many new connectors and so much stuff. So what, what happened that now we have Trino? Well, I, I, I was going to say, like, after we left, I was completely blown away by the response to the community. Like, you know, there, there's a thing where you're like, I have my morals. This is what I'm doing. I think people will be with you. But to see the response, and it was like much more than I had ever imagined. Um, like the, the, the responses we got from all the other groups involved in and how excited they were for just a change in the project of not being a Facebook project. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe Martin can tell some more parts of this story um, as we went around and met with everyone. I mean, they were, they were I, mean, I mean, when we set up the, the foundation, we said, well, we left Facebook and we said, okay, we need to do something about this. Like Presto needs to continue. And, and we had this idea uh, of, uh, okay, maybe we have to say, uh, Maybe we can go go uh, move it to some of the existing foundations or set up something by ourselves. Uh, we ended up set, selling on on setting up a, a dedicated foundation for the project. So we went around and talked to a lot of people, talked uh, to all the people that were involved in the project, like the the biggest users, uh, the biggest contributors. Uh, we even talked to Facebook at the time, and and everyone was super positive. Like there was there were even some some of the people saying. Oh, it's about time you did this. Like we were worried about the future of the project if it remained uh, as a as a project controlled exclusively by, by Facebook. So, so it, it was a very positive response, and it, it kind of, um, uh, I mean, it gave us, um, um, like, I know, it's like uh, it validated what we were thinking of. Uh, okay, this is this is a good move. This is what we have to do. Awesome. Okay. So, so then now uh, things progress, like, right? So this is two, early 2019. Uh, now what's called, what we was initially called Presto SQL, right? Uh, I, I think a lingering question that I've heard a lot from the community is why Presto SQL versus just maybe making it something like Trino? Uh, did you guys, were you afraid if you strayed from the name, it was going to be confusing? Or, or did you foresee any issue with using Presto SQL and continuing with Presto? Um, why, why was the name chosen for Presto SQL in particular? Well, so we actually didn't pick, pick the name. Presto SQL is just the, uh, the social media handle, if you want to uh, call it some way. I mean, the name of the project was Presto. Right. Uh, the, way, the way we saw it at the time, and based, based on all the signals from, uh, from, from Facebook management, was that Facebook wasn't actually interested in, in continuing to maintain an open source project. So we said, okay, this is the project. This is Presto. This is the community. So it's going to continue to be called Presto. Uh, effectively, the, the way we saw it at the time was the whole community is, is just moving on, right? Um, and, and eventually, because of what Facebook, Facebook was was doing, we thought, well, they, they would continue to work uh, internally on, on, on their version, and, and and that was it. So it's like uh, the, 
we, I, I think at the time we call it uh, Presto graduated from Facebook. We actually use that that, that phrase in, in a couple of places. Yeah, yeah. So the, we didn't we didn't see the the reason for changing the name. I mean, it was the same project, the same community, the same people that were involved. It's just in in, in a different home, if, if you will. Like, right. Sure. In, in, a, I, in a GitHub. Yeah. I, I'd say I I don't think it was just like wishful thinking on our part. Like there was a lot of evidence to go with it. Like we set up a new slack and the slack filled up with you know all the people who are working on it and like the one that was being used by facebook uh completely emptied out like there was zero traffic there'd be you know a message a week or something like that um we saw huge pickup in the the prs against the project so it was like it was pretty much it was clear that the the community had consolidated around this project and like there was almost no like contact with Facebook. Like they, they weren't really saying anything. So like it was to us, it had looked like, okay, well the community moved on, Facebook will go proprietary like they had done with really every other project they were running internally. Um, so plot that twist, didn't <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> now we have, uh, you know, Presto DB kind of gets picked back up, uh, and and we're not going to go into too much details about them. But now we kind of have a competing uh, open source project, and they uh, can you tell us a little bit about you know just uh, not necessarily about the community over there, but more about you know there was a uh, I guess a Linux Foundation that was that was a competing Linux Foundation to Presto Software Foundation, uh, and that one was called Presto Foundation. Um, you know. I guess, and, and kind of how that drove us to, to now Trino. I think that's now we're, we're closing the loop here. <laughs> also that timing, right? Like that happened later, right? Like the Presto Software Foundation was founded in 2019 and then everything was just fine for a while, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, at some point, uh, Facebook decided to change their position in terms of, uh, of whether or how they wanted to run the project. So, uh, they eventually ended up uh, deciding to donate the project to the Linux Foundation, which is, I mean, that 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 created or that would result in a completely different dynamics than what they wanted to achieve when uh, when they they made a decision that caused us to leave. Right? It was a complete reversal of uh, what was going on. So, but I mean, of course, like once the project became part of Linux Foundation and 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 the Linux Foundation got a trademark associated with the project that Facebook had registered uh, a few months after we, we left. Um, I mean, it, it's part of uh, Linux Foundation's job to uh, take care of trademarks and, and so on. And, and we've been talking about uh, talking to them about, uh, about this issue of naming for, for some time. And, and eventually, uh, like end of uh, 2020, we came to, to a conclusion where we had to change the name. There was no no other way to solve this uh, this problem. Um, one one. Oh. Sorry, you go, Brian. One quick like loop back question is: uh, I, I've always wanted to know this myself. This is my own question. I am not pulling this from the community. At what point did you guys kind of get the feeling like Presto and now Trino uh, was like actually going to be a project that spanned decades? Uh, David has a really cool quote uh, talking about how you guys are trying to model this now, like Postgres, and trying to get this to to span you know decades and just be this uh, long long longevity uh, project and. 
so I'm just curious to kind of get, and actually I'm going to pick on David uh, because I never hear him talk enough. So uh, David, like what point did you kind of like feel, Hey, this is pre Presto or eventually now what's going to be Trino uh, is going to be like this decades long project and people are going to be using this in, in 10, 20, 30 years. It's hard to say when I, when I like actually knew that was going to be true. I, I think like from very early on, like that was something we thought about. Like we always thought about like, you build a database system, like people, once people start using a database, like they kind of get locked in. Like even if they don't try to just like, you build so much stuff on top of it that it's very hard to move off. So like anytime we had like SQL features or functions, like we try, we, we think, we think that this is going to be a permanent feature. So like you make sure you get it right. Cause like once you put it in, people are going to rely on it. You can't go and change it. So, mm -hmm. and you look at pretty much any database system and like they, they live for, years or decades. So we always kind of kept that in mind that like, if this project lives for decades, right? Like, are we making a decision that uh, is going to help that? Or like, you know, are people going to be like cursing at us like 10 years from now that we made this stupid decision? Right. Um, but I, I probably around, I don't know, 2016, 17, like it, it got started to get popular. And, but it wasn't until probably a couple of years ago that the growth like really took off and like, I mean, it, it surprised us. And I, I think it kind of still surprises us to this day that like how many people use it and like how big the community is that like, you just never think that something you work on is going to become that popular. Yeah. It's incredible. I think that's like one of the feats that any software engineer wants to achieve. Right. It's like so cool. Um, were you going to say something, Dane? Yeah, I, I, I actually have a question for Eric on this because I clearly remember when we first we were set on this project at Facebook. David and I, and I think Martine were talking about like, Hey, we need to build this and we need to build for a like 10, 20 year horizon. And we talked about this out loud and we're at a company, Facebook, who's been around for five years at this point. And like a 20 year horizon at Facebook is like, you know, a, you know, a five-year-old talking about like, oh, when I, when, when I'm 35, I'm going to be doing X. It's just like, you, you have no idea of how far out that is. And so like, I'm curious what he thought about us talking about these long time horizons and like what other people did, were they like, these guys are insane. Like, or were they like, you know, they think that was cool. Like, I, I'm just curious how other, how everyone else thought about it. No, it's interesting. It's, I think that's, that's definitely one of, I think the long-term planning is one of those ideals that are talked about a lot everywhere, actually. Um, but it's, it's, it's rare that you get to see it lived out, right? Because in practice, what happens is you talk about all these grand visions and then, and then once you get that first iteration out, you know, pressures from product pressures from, you know, supporting existing customers, you know, all of these things start to press in on you. And then it's, and then you start to take compromises here and there just to, you know, just to get things out faster. And then that's the kind of stuff that builds up over time. And at Facebook, that's actually one of the, you know, one of the inherent problems is that there's, a, well, it's a, um, let's say it's, it's, it's a result of, uh, of competing pressures to try to continue to deliver impact on, on certain projects. And sometimes when you have to plan out for these five, 10 year horizons, you know, you're taking short term, even midterm trade-offs in terms of what you can deliver in that period of time. And so to become successful at achieving or even realistically moving towards this ideal, you have to be uh, 
willing to make plans that span more than six months, right? You have six months, a year, you know, even two years, right? That, that's the type of planning and commitment that it takes. And it, it's something that's really hard when you have uh, an environment that is really focused on, say, six, six month intervals. Good. Yeah, very, very, very cool. Did any of you have an inkling, like when you were starting the project, that this could be big, or like, like that this could be something that would go beyond? Like, is that did you did you kind of see this as a maybe it'll happen and 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 that's the the goal? But like, I'm I'm just curious if if you had like if you could have seen this today, like, would you and and you you could go back and tell yourself like, would you have like smacked yourself over the head? No way, that's gonna happen. Or would you have believed yourself? I mean, I think there was certainly a hope. I mean, we were trying to build something. We were trying to make it open source, and we were hoping that uh, it would eventually become something that could, I know, compete with commercial systems. Right? Yeah. Uh, and we, we, Dave in particular, had used some, uh, and they had, had used some commercial data warehouse systems. So that was kind of like uh, the 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 north star. It's like, oh, if we if we can build something that that can compete with those systems, uh, and 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 it's it's as as usable and and uh, and popular as those systems, then we succeeded. But we, I, I don't think we we knew that that was going to happen. It's like it was, it was more of a desire and hope that eventually we would get there. Yeah, makes sense. I, I was pretty confident that we would build a successful open source project that was really big that a lot of people used. I mean, I, I'd worked on JBoss. I, I'd seen it done before. Um, and up until like, you know, after we left Facebook and the way the community went, like, absolutely, I could see that. The last year and a half, as I, I would have never believed that back then, like the, the size of the, the expansiveness and the use of Presto across the world in the largest companies. Like, you know, we built a database. It was very popular in the Valley. It was open source, right? And then you see like, some of the largest companies in the world who are very conservative using Presto and it being used throughout the world. Like when we left Facebook, we started looking at the traffic. We're like, why does like a quarter of the traffic come from China and Japan and Europe? And we're like, we thought it was like everyone was just Valley people. And we're like, we went and did all these conferences around the world. And we're like, this is crazy. Like we live in a bubble and the bubble has popped in. It was awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, so that's that's a, that's a good point. So now we have the Trino name. We did that refactoring. So there's people asking about how do you actually make that happen? Like, what are some of the tips and tricks you have? Maybe I know David, for example, did a whole bunch of like package refactoring and all that kind of jazz. How, how do you make that happen? Like, did you like have to queue it all up and then with one bang do like massive change commits or whatever? Or like, what tools did you use? Do you have some tricks there. People are curious because obviously that happens in like commercial applications internal and lots of people have that problem. So you've done it twice now. So what, yeah, what well, tricks do you have? Well, so the first time was a lot easier because it was still called Presto. Like the first <laughs> time we were just changing like package names and like Maven coordinates. This time we were changing the entire branding of the project. You know, like the name Presto was ingrained like for, you know, eight years, like it was called Presto. So that's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you look, there's probably about 30 commits between 350 and 351 that did the rename, uh, for like the actual, the, the bulk of like the code changes, like changing the module name, changing the package names. Um, there's just a sequence of five commits 
they're actually called like step one of five, step two of five. That I did that with uh, like mostly command line tools like find and said and grep and like making sure that those uh, worked correctly. Uh, the goal there was so that um, when uh, Git would understand what happened. So like the first commit is it just moves the code. So the, um, it, it, sorry, it just moves the files in the file system so that the files are 100% identical. There is zero content changes. So Git sees that, oh, this file is your name from here to here to here. Whereas if you did like a normal kind of Java refactoring, like, okay, I move the code, it updates the imports, updates the package statements. For a lot of files, like that's going to be uh, very significant. And then Git like will treat it as like a copy or it'll treat it as like two different files and it won't understand the history. Mm. Um, so we were careful to sequence those so that Git would be able to understand that. And we knew that that had worked on some previous renames or projects. We've done that technique. That's um, awesome. The other, so just that, the, the other just techniques clarify, we just did. Just to clarify, David, that, does that mean when you're just moving the files, it basically didn't compile at that stage, right? Because... Yeah. So normally, like, our rule is, like, every commit has to compile, has to pass all the CI tests, which you want to do that so that, like, you can go and uh, uh, find out, like, if you introduced a bug, you want to be able to, like, run the test and see, like, exactly which commit did that. So... Um, but this change was like like a, an exception to that because just due to the technical requirements of like if you moved in if if it compiled at every step like Git wouldn't understand what happened and like That's that awesome. would be worse. That's a great trick. Yeah, but but in general, yeah, every commit has to like compile and pass all the tests. And so like we renamed uh, Presto exception to Trino exception. I just did that with IntelliJ refactoring. Cool. And, and there's a nice trick actually that IntelliJ if you commit from IntelliJ. A commit box that pops up there's an option to uh optimize the imports for the files that have changed because and unfortunately intellij uh like optimizing imports is very expensive so like if you do like a move they don't optimize the imports and so like your moved class if it's in a different order in the imports it'll be wrong but if you commit with intellij it'll optimize the imports for all the files you changed oh very cool very, that's very awesome cool. so you had these five steps that did all these things and then you were basically in business Again. Well, and then a whole bunch of other commits actually like update the documentation, yeah. you know, rename like the Docker image, like rename the CLI, like a whole there a whole bunch of like stuff. And then there's actually more commits coming in because we didn't get everything internally. But and and I mean, there you're, you're you're also leaving off the ten other repos you had to do this in. Oh yeah, yeah, because the Presto project has a number of dependencies. Like we have true. a shaded build of Hive that had to be updated and released as well. Wow. So, so uh, there was also another change uh, that that people are aware of, and I thought was really cool, is that you uh, can you kind of nested and condensed down the first uh, level of of uh, Trino now. And so, uh, what uh, can you talk a little bit about that decision? I mean, is this something that has been long on the waiting list? And since we're already kind of you know breaking it, might as well just fix it, right? Yeah, that's something Martine had wanted to do for a while. Um, and then like Dan and I, before we did the rename, we're like, all right, we gotta we, we gotta do it now. Like this is the only time we're ever gonna be able to do this. So yep. we, we kind of settled on a philosophy that like we don't want to have any modules at the top level, with the exception of the documentation, because the documentation is kind of special. So everything has to fit into a a subfolder. And then we said we want to kind of minimize the number of things at the top level. We want to make them categorical, but more like conceptual and not like purely technical. Mm -hmm. So like we have plugins and libraries and it's like, well, some of the things in plugins are not technically a plugin, but like they're logically a plugin. So that's, we put them there because that's where people would expect. Gotcha. 
So we just kind of came yeah. up with the categorization. We ran it past some people and. Yeah, I, we, we, we've seen this for a while now as Presto grew and it was just a few modules. Now I think it's, I don't know, 40, 50 modules. You, you get lost and new yep. users get really lost. And so like, they're like, where's the main code? And you're like, okay, here's the core package. And then you go in there and there's only a few things. And so like, it kind of helps conceptually narrow people down. Or if they're like, hey, I'm interested in writing a plugin, they can go look exclusively at plugins. Yep. Whereas like before there were, it was just, really hard to deal with so much more uh, for lucid. a new user yeah and, and yeah it's just and it's just faster for navigation too not even for for people that are just constantly working in in it uh it's it's just easier to to find things uh and group things as well so i and i like the grouping a lot um and definitely check it out if you if you haven't seen it yet um so uh so let's get to the thing that everybody really wants to know where the heck did the bunny come from <laughs> does anybody want to answer that uh, well, so we have, yeah, go ahead, Martin. No, I was going to say, like, uh, we we're talking about uh, uh, names, uh, like, for the past couple of months. And uh, one of the names we settled on was related to magic. And uh, so, so uh, and we have a, a designer that has been helping us. I mean, he, she helped, helped us with the uh, rebrand of the, of the um, uh, website back when we when we uh, created Presto SQL and and then she was she was she's been helping with a new website and the new design and I mean she's awesome and she's super creative and she came up with this idea of of, of, uh, of this bunny and and I made the the space theme and and the bunny in the space suit and all that and and we all like loved it I mean it was great so we said okay even we're we're gonna go with a different name uh, with Trino we're we're keeping the bunny. <laughs> Yeah, that was Alison Lonely. Thanks for that, by the way. Uh, big shout out. She's she's getting a lot of love online, and people want plushies and stickers and all yep. sorts of stuff like that. So, yeah, I can't wait. And I, I I love that we now have a logo that isn't like abstract. That you know we can do new things with over time, and like it's um it's uh it's a lot more personable. Like. Yep. You know, I, I feel like the brand has actually changed from this abstract kind of cold technical thing to something that's been more personable. Yeah. And like, I, I actually really feel that's the way we've gone with the community since we've split off is that like, everyone's much more engaged at like an open source kind of natural level. And like, you know, we're all there and personable and this is really approachable. And you could see that through like, the directory redesign we just talked about and i i just i'm super happy like yeah related so awesome. to that i wanted to also mention um we are calling it the bunny for now um we are going to look for a name for the bunny and what we're going to do is we're going to open up um a thread on slack um to take suggestions for names uh collect them for a while and then um uh, launch some sort of like uh sub selection uh and let the community help us decide what the name of the bunny should be because obviously it can't just always be the bunny <laughs> yep <laughs> we, we we need a backstory also someone needs to write the history of the money <laughs> i think that can we can I've, work on that too. i proposed the alien theme uh since we're in space as well uh i think the bunny should have superpowers but that's just me you know obviously we'll, we'll open this up to the floor uh but anyways that's that's my two cents on on bunny's backstory i think clark kent kind of bunny style <laughs> <laughs> So another thing that I wanted to talk about quickly is also like we have 351 now after all this refactoring, you've got a 351 release out that is fully functional and um, 
obviously have a, has a few wrinkles yet. So can you maybe talk about what's next? Like what are some things that you know we still need to do and what are things that people need to do? Like we wrote a great blog post, David uh, wrote a great blog post about migrating and what you have to do in order to change, which is actually not, not too hard at all. Um, but what are some other things people have to be prepared on what they should know? I think we covered it pretty well in the blog post. Um, like our goal for the 351 release is that all the breaking changes like package changes, uh, protocol changes, JDBC driver changes, all of that, like all the user facing stuff was in the 351 release. So that like, we know that there's gonna be pain to migrate, but like every everything should be done in 351. So there shouldn't be any more of those like breaking changes after that. Like everything you see as a user, it should say Trino everywhere in 351. Yeah, also what yeah. Are, like related to that, for example, like the pain is not that big at all, actually, in my opinion. Like most people are that are like analysts or so that are connected to a Presto uh, slash Arduino cluster now. The only thing that potentially need to change is the connection string uh, in their tool, like the JDBC connection string or whatever. And then that's the same, the SQL, the catalog names, all of that stuff is going to be completely working just fine. So the only people that have to deal with a little bit more change is the people that operate the cluster. And even that's not too bad, I think. So I think it's it's really amazing what you did. Yeah. Yeah, we, we worked really hard to keep the, to mitigate the migration pain. And um, if you are running a cluster, absolutely read the blog post. If you have any other questions, like definitely ask them. As we get feedback, we'll, work on updating the blog posts and other yep. you know advice related to that also what we did is yeah. the, that blog post is going to go be part of the uh, of the docs we're working on that already so we're going to keep refreshing it so it's going to be easy to find for everyone so go to the blog for now but also look forward to having that in the documentation as well so uh, that's yeah. awesome thank you david and that's a great point to reiterate manfred is that for end users there should be no changes like all your sql everything still works like yeah. Yeah. you'll see a different name in the stack trace, but and like the error message will say Trino now, but otherwise like nothing breaks for end users. So one, one other thing, uh, and this is getting back to like a more, uh, you know, sticky kind of human, uh, problem is, uh, a lot of engineers and maybe even kind of at the data analyst level are going to maybe have to explain, Hey, it's now called Trino. <laughs> and so sometimes, you know, this is, uh, just a, a small, you know, implement, like implementation detail. Uh, but then once it becomes a new thing, so now we've totally diverged into calling ourselves something totally different different from Presto. Um, I, if, if somebody were to come up to you and say, okay, I need to pitch this to my boss or somebody and, and basically tell them what are the features in Trino that I should be like, that means that we should be using Trino and not Presto. Uh, and, and kind of what would you tell that, that, uh, that person that, or that user? Well, I think the, the list is huge. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want a summary, uh, we actually wrote a blog post last year uh, at the end of 2019, uh, a year, a couple of years ago, end of 2019, uh, summarizing all the changes that happened in in what was Presto SQL at the time, effectively Trino, during that year. And we're working on a new blog post for, for this year. So that has a summary of all the changes and, and it's not exhaustive. I mean, that's only the, the, the tip of the iceberg. And, and all those changes are, or almost all of the changes are exclusive to 
Trino. And I, I say almost because Presto has been backporting some changes from Trino to, to Presto over the past couple of years. But uh, the majority are exclusive to Trino and and and, and, and you'll you see the difference. It's like, uh, it's pretty stark. I mean, there are a couple of, um, I mean, uh, over the top of my head, if I had, had to, uh, to mention some, like for example, last year we added support for variable precision times, uh, daytime types. That's a, that was a massive change. Anyone that's that's dealing with uh, time data, and for example, in the financial industry, like they typically need precision higher than milliseconds, and and that's a feature that only Trino has. It's a it's a big change, so I, I wouldn't expect any other uh, uh, branches or forks of Presto to be able to to implement that in the in the near near term future. Um, there are tons of performance improvements, language improvements. Like there's a lot of uh, work with it to get get the language closer to what the uh, the ANSI specification says. For example, one, one of the things that happened last, last year, we fixed the semantics of timestamps. Uh, timestamps have been broken for many, many years in Presto, and we finally fixed, fixed them to uh, comply with what the SQL specification says. Uh, so it'll be a, a big difference. So if, if you come from other databases like uh, I know Vertica, Teradata, or, Oracle, Postgres, and you're used to those semantics, then now Presto behaves in the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, I know, uh, Dean, David, do you, are there any other big, big improvements you, you can think of? Oh, uh, uh, so sorry, one thing, support for asset tables in, in Hive. Mm -hmm. Hive uh, or, or recent versions of, of Hive have, have support for transactional tables. And now Presto can completely can operate against them. You can read them, you can you can insert into them, delete from them, uh, and that's only a change that exists in Trino. Um, a question yeah, about that also related to that: this. Isn't the Coral support that you worked on with LinkedIn also exclusive to Trino, which is great is. for migrating, right? Like if you have any Hive views or a legacy setup in Hive that has lots of Hive views, the Coral support uh, you know, or like usage of the Coral library to support Hive views natively. In, in Trino also is exclusive, right? Like that's. Yeah, absolutely. We work with uh, with that team at LinkedIn very closely, and and the idea is to uh, we we want to make uh, make uh, make uh, Trino support views Hive views, which are defined using the Hive syntax uh, natively, because uh, okay. people are running Hive installations, may rely on them heavily, and and being able to have a seamless experience is important. So we work with that team very closely. They use that feature very extensively at LinkedIn. And, and we finally got it integrated uh, late last year. I, I I also would like to mention just a couple like connectors if you guys want to riff on that for a bit. Uh, there's a lot of connectors that uh, I mean I would say a huge multitude, but like uh, at least a, a nice well, little there, handful. Like Prometheus, Iceberg, Search. <laughs> yeah, Iceberg's a pretty promising one. I think. Iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so. yeah Mar Martin mentioned like uh, delete for Hive. Acid. We're coming out with merge and update as well. Cool. In, in the next couple months um, for Hive Acid, and then we'll be implementing that for Iceberg. Yeah, and we just opinion, had like, DJ. Iceberg is huge. Like it's, I think it's the future format of choice for uh, like cloud data warehouses because uh, it it's from Netflix originally. It's an Apache project. Like it's just such a better uh, like way to store and manage uh, metadata for tables that so, like just or, works really well organize. with cloud storage systems. Yeah. It's, so that um, you you can think of it as a way to organize your data into your object store. So Hive uses directories that have certain meanings and a meta store. 
uh, iceberg is a different way of organizing that data and collecting stats and things like that. That's um, just based on all of the things that were discovered over the past uh, 10 years of Hive of like, you know, someone created an organization, you figure out all the problems. Like I think the Hive stuff maybe even predates a cloud object store and like the problems that were created there. And so iceberg is just, it's like solves all those problems. It's super exciting. And, and, and Trino allows you to actually migrate, right? Like you could easily hook up a Hive a connector and an iceberg connector and do a create table as statement from one to the other and yep. Bob's your uncle, everything is migrated and you can continue using your same data in now an iceberg storage, right? Yes, yeah. and we're about to land a feature that uh, LinkedIn's been working on that it's completely transparent where you can use like the hybrid, the iceberg catalog and have tables from either one and uh, it'll work basically transparently for end users. Wow. So you can do a migration table at a time. Because the problem is once you have more than like 10 tables, you just don't have the yeah, option of like, I'll shut everything down for two months and rewrite all the data. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so that's that's a good avenue to talk about next. So um, what's, what is next? Like <laughs> Trina is obviously rocking and it's going to continue rocking. Um, I know there's a couple of things already on the hive line. You, you mentioned the update. What are some other things you know that are that are coming down the pipe in the next couple of releases? Well, I mean, next couple of releases, I would, I mean, you have to go look at the open pull requests. I mean, we release every two weeks, so there's only so much time we have to, <laughs> to be able to build anything for a couple of releases. <laughs> uh, no, but, but in terms of big projects that are coming up, uh, so there's update merge that uh, David mentioned. We have, we have uh, there's people working on adding support for some language features, like uh, the window clause. Uh, we're starting to look at match recognize as a as, as a new feature. It's a big feature in SQL 2016. Uh, improvements in in uh, support for correlated uh, subqueries. Uh, I mean, Presto supports them, but there are some cases, edge cases that it doesn't, and where we keep expanding the the support there. Uh, we are there's been an ongoing effort to sub, to revamp the way functions are implemented in. Or, or manage inside inside Trino, and and that's that's going. It's, it's going to happen hopefully soon. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna finish that soon, and and with that we'll be able to uh, start uh, having more advanced features, like for example, p uh, users defining functions on the fly, uh, or support for polymorphic table functions. I mean, we ha we we haven't haven't started working on that yet, but it's something that's on the horizon now that that all this functional work is happening. Um, I know there are people that are starting to focus on performance improvements, like dedicated efforts to improve performance. And there's a lot of low hanging fruit. So we expect to see some boosts, boosting performance over the next few months. Um, and related to that, we're working on a, a new implementation of the, of the real for Parquet. So Parquet is, is, um, is fast, but it's not as fast as the org uh, implementation that Dane was talking about earlier. Uh, there's uh, an entire layer of the reader that is not very optimal, so we are working on revamping that whole thing. So hopefully the performance will eventually be similar to what the uh, org performance is in, in Trino right now. So Dane, do um, you have your fingers in that again? Martin's doing that one. I, I helped out with some very, very, very low-level algorithms, um, but Martin's been doing most of the work. Awesome. Nice. 
Okay. Uh, well, with that, uh, uh, Manfred, did you have any other questions? I think that was all of them, right? I, I think we got lots uh, sorted out today, and I think it was great. Um, yeah. And there will always be more questions related to that. Of course, we are collecting questions, and who knows? We might have to pull you guys back in again. Martin is already a second time at least here, so um, <laughs> be prepared for us to rip you into here again. Um, or also anyone else who wants to join us in a future uh, episode, we are live pretty regularly and uh, we're always ready to have questions um, that come towards us being answered. And I'm sure Trino is going to be going forward, continuing with a lot of exciting developments and obviously we'll be talking about them. So I think we could. I'd, uh, I'd like to finish the show. Uh, we got uh, in the chat um, just a, a quick mention that uh, from Nick. Uh, saying, I love this story so much. It shows how much you care about open source and it's a role model to follow. So uh, thank you, Nick, uh, for, for writing that in. And uh, um, other than that, I, I think uh, we're pretty good now. Oh, wait, we got one more. Thanks, everybody. Really interesting and insightful hearing the Trino story. So thanks, everyone, for uh, who's listening in uh, live. And uh, thanks, Martin, Dane, David, Eric, uh, for joining us today. Uh, it was an awesome, awesome show. Uh, hope that uh, everybody got to learn a lot more about the story than we've been uh, able to get them privy to beforehand. And uh, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, hopefully see you guys in a couple uh, weeks or months. Well, join us on Slack, obviously, Trino.io and Trino2B.slack.com is where we're at. We're all there. Uh, All day, every day, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, last little bit, music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Christoph Schlowakowski. So thank you all. Have a great one.